Good morning. My name's Carl Udy, and uh, I'd like to thank uh, Lisi for uh, uh, for reading uh, that passage for us. Uh, when when we were looking at the uh, videos earlier, the uh, the video for uh, Christianity Explored, it had a question there at the end. It said, "One life, what's it all about?" And I want to wonder, I want to ask you if you have ever asked that question. If you have, you're in good company. Since the beginning of history, people have been asking questions just like this. What is life all about? Now, here in this part of the world in China, when they're taking a look at what is life all about, what is the world? Well, they identify that the world is made of five different elements. Wood, fire, earth, metal and water. In the West... They identified four elements, earth, air, wind and fire, and they speculated about a mystical fifth element. One wonders what would have happened if they got together and uh, chatted. And still today, people are searching to find out the answers to these questions. Underneath the mountains of Switzerland and France, there is a giant underground laboratory called the Large Hadron Collider. There they're racing protons and electrons around what is essentially a huge speedway track for physicists. And they're trying to collide these uh, subatomic particles together. The purpose? To see if they can discover a theorised particle, the Higgs boson particle, which is sometimes called the God particle, that they speculate is the building block of the entire universe. Now, what would these scientists say? Would they say, in the beginning, was the Big Bang? And the Big Bang was with God, and the Big Bang was God. Maybe they would. Now, of course, coming back to these Chinese philosophers, who identify, they identified these five elements that the world is made of, but they didn't consider that to be the foundational principle of the universe. Instead, they identified this principle called the Tao, Lao Tzu, who uh, described the Tao as roughly, uh, which roughly translates as the way, is an indescribable force that lay at the heart of the universe and controlled the flow of everything that happened. One wonders, would Lao Tzu say, in the beginning was the Tao, and the Tao was with God, and the Tao was God? But in our Bibles we read, in the beginning was the Word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why is it that John's Gospel starts that particular way and not any other way? Well, what is happening here is that this Gospel is bringing together different stories, and they're being merged or woven together. Now, there was the story of the Greek philosophers who tried to understand the very nature of the world and why it is the way it is. And there is also the story that is told in the Old Testament of how God had created the world and people and revealed himself to them, culminating in the coming of Jesus. The really remarkable thing is that when we take a look at these other stories of people trying to find meaning in the world, we find that they also 
fit in with these stories. Now in Greece, one of the main schools of philosophy was the Stoics. The Stoic philosophers called, the, called what they thought was divine animating principle of the whole world, the Logos. Now just as the Chinese philosophers with the Tao and modern philosophers with their search for elusive principles that explain how the universe is the way it is, they identified that there was something that was behind the universe and gave the universe meaning that they just couldn't quite put their finger on and seemed to give the universe order and meaning. And so they called this Logos. And in the Greek... John's Gospel opens with the words, the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Logos usually means word or reason. But here it has been used in the sense that the Stoic philosophers had of the divine principle that controls and animates and gives meaning to the entire universe. It goes on to say, that from which all things have been made and apart from which nothing has been made. A phrase which is eerily reminiscent to several in the writings of Lao Tzu, which talk of the Tao being that which on everything depends for existence. And that is which is the beginning of heaven and earth. Now where things get really interesting is that the Chinese Bible doesn't say in the beginning was the word. It says in the beginning was the Tao. And the Tao was with God. And the Tao was God. Now if you happen to have a Chinese Bible in front of you, you can have a quick look and see. I'm not pulling your leg. This is what it says there. Now why does it say that? It says that because this Tao this idea that is in Chinese philosophy is very similar to this idea of logos that was in Greek philosophy that was being talked about in this passage. They're talking about the meaning of the universe that's behind everything, that that gives everything meaning and order and purpose. That is what this is talking about. So if you've wanted to find out what is the meaning of life, what is life all about? Well, the Bible is saying right here, this is where you find it. And then it goes on to say, in this logos was life, and this life was the light of all mankind. Now, again, we may need a bit of explanation here. Now, in English, we often have one word, where in other languages, there are several different words. Now, Greek has two different words for life. One is bios, which means everything that happens in a person's life. And this is where we get our word, uh, biolo our words biology and biography from. The other word, zoe, refers to what makes something alive. It's life as the opposite of death. And it is this life that is talked about here that comes from Logos. And this life that is the light of all mankind. It says that this Logos was Zoe. It was life opposed to death. It was the opposite of death. Now what does it mean when it says that this life was the light of all mankind? 
Well, light enables us to see things. If there were no light, we could not see anything. Without light, nothing is visible. In particular here, John is saying that this light is that which makes God visible. In other words, it is a revelation of God. It enables us to see God, to understand God. Now, so far, what we've read here is followed a pretty standard philosophical explanation. And maybe it isn't so different from what you would read in the Tao Te Ching or in ancient Greek philosophy. But in verse 14, there was an extremely surprising twist. It says that the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Now I want you to stop and think for a minute. Because then you'll understand why I've made such a big point about this Logos not just being the word or anything like this. This Logos is the... That which gives meaning and order and sense to the universe, it is the thing that makes the universe work. And it says that this became flesh and dwelt among us. That this indescribable thing that makes the universe the way it is, has become a person, a human being. Now this is not a claim like saying that an angel has come down to earth, or something like one of the Greek gods coming down to earth in human form. No, this is something far more amazing than that. This is claiming that the foundation of all reality became a human being. You know, the idea that pure light or electricity had become human would be a less radical idea than this. But why? Why did the Logos need to become human? Now the answer comes in verse 18. As it goes on a few verses after the reading finished there. In verse 18 it says, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This Logos who became human and dwelt among us and we knew him as Jesus Christ. He has come here to make God known. To give us this light to enable us to see God, to make God known. Now when we look back in time from the beginning of humanist history up until Jesus coming, we can see that everything was leading to this purpose. To make God known. God had this plan set in motion right from the very beginning. And when we look back to the beginning of this chapter, the Logos with God in the beginning, we can see that everything was leading towards this purpose. And this is what John is doing right here. He is making God known to a generation that knew as much, if not more, about Greek philosophy than they did about what God had revealed in the scriptures. And this is what God is doing today. He is making himself known to those who have been searching for the meaning of the world. Whether they've been searching through science, or through Chinese philosophy, or through whatever other means. 
whatever elusive foundation to meaning in life that we're looking for, we find that what we were really looking for was Jesus Christ. And that more than that, we find that Christ has come looking for us. You see, all of these philosophies, all of these searches for answers come up against limitations. For Lao Tzu, the Tao was unable to be named, unable to be described. It was there, it was behind everything, it caused everything, but it could not be grasped, it could not be identified. The Tao was a secret to the universe, but it could not be found. In science, we find the same story. When the cell was discovered, it was thought to be the basic building block of matter. And it was so named because under a microscope, they looked like cells in a monastery. Later, when they had more powerful microscopes, they discovered that the cell itself was made up of smaller elements. And scientists began to search for the raw material that the universe was made for. And they came up with the name for what they thought would be the absolute minimum thing. And they called it an atom from the Greek word that means cannot be divided any further. Now, of course, for those of you who know a little about your science history, about 100 years ago in 1909, Ernest Rutherford split the atom. He split that which, by definition, could not be divided. And so in school, most of you probably learnt that atoms are, in fact, divisible and they're made up of protons and neutrons and electrons. Now, what they didn't teach... Um, in school when I was at school, they may, may be teaching it now, I don't know, was that these things themselves are in fact made of even smaller things called uh, quarks and bosons and all sorts of other names that we don't hear of. And this is what they're searching for under these mountains in Switzerland, underneath Switzerland and France. And the search goes on, and with each new discovery, it raises more questions and makes us aware of how much more we do not understand about the universe. The search for meaning, as we are searching, we are finding that there is so much that on our own we just cannot find out. It seems that we are well equipped as human beings to discover that the universe does have meaning. It is something that just seems obvious. We can find meaning and we are looking for it to find out what does it really mean? What is behind all of this? but we're hopelessly inadequate to find out what their ultimate meaning really is. And so we are on a quest, but the further we go on our expedition, the more unattainable our goal seems. It would be impossible, in fact, if not for the fact that what we are seeking sets off and reaches down to us. Jesus the indescribable, unattainable principle that holds our universe together becomes human and lives among us so that we can grasp the meaning of life. And just what is this meaning of life? Well, for a start, it is life. As it said, in him was life. Was Zoe, the opposite of death. It is life that overcomes death. And so this is what Jesus demonstrated when he was on this earth. He died and then he conquered death. Because life is greater than death. 
Jesus demonstrated that by rising from the grave. And this life is the light of men. It enables us to know. Well, to know what, you may ask? Well, it enables us to know God. You know, when Jesus died to defeat death, he did not just die to defeat physical death. There is another death that we experience, a death that we have been dying since we can first remember. The slow killing of our soul as we live in ways that are not in harmony with the Logos, not in harmony with the Tao, that are not in harmony with God, with Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to allow that death to be defeated. Now, can you remember a time when you had disappointed someone you really looked up to? Perhaps it was your parent, your mother or your father. Perhaps it was a favorite teacher or another role model in your life. And one time you had abused their trust. Maybe you'd lied to them. Maybe you'd stolen or cheated. But in some way, you had abused their trust. You had betrayed them. And you knew that it was inexcusable. Now, do you remember how hard it was to look them in the eye? How what you had done had raised a barrier between you and them. Now when we have lived not in harmony with God's ways, we have been erecting that barrier between us and God. That barrier that does not allow us to approach God face to face. Well, Jesus' death allows that barrier to be removed so that we can truly approach God face to face. And the result of that, as it says in verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God, to have that close, intimate relationship to all who received him. And so now I want to put this offer to all of you. If you have not received Jesus, if you have not allowed him and his death and conquering of death to remove that barrier that has been erected between you and God, I would like to ask you to consider doing that. Now I know that there are many of you here today who don't normally come to Shartan Church, and a friend has, uh, has invited you to come along. And at the end of the service, if this is something that you want to decide to do, I want you to talk to that friend, and I want you to explain to them about what God has been doing in your heart. Now, it's very simple. God knows your heart. And he's not so concerned with your words, he is with the attitude of your heart. And you can receive Jesus simply by asking him to come into your heart, to remove that barrier that has been erected by the times when you have not lived in harmony with God's ways. And so now I'd like to ask you all to bow your heads 
and I'll pray a simple prayer. And if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, I would like you to pray along with me. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus, Jesus who gives the entire universe meaning and purpose to come to become a human being, to live on this earth and to die so that he may conquer death and he, that he may remove the barrier that exists between you and us. Lord God, we are sorry that we have not lived in harmony with your ways. And we ask that you would remove that barrier that we have erected between you and us. So that we may look you face to face and that we may say to you, Father God, that we may experience being your children because of what Jesus Christ has done by dying on the cross and rising again. We ask that you would do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.